Welcome to the Soul Service Podcast. I'm your host, Anastasia Burtnick. I am a spiritual life coach, energy healer, and psychic medium on a mission to help you heal, awaken, and expand your light and consciousness. If you are a spiritual seeker ready to learn, grow, and live and breathe your purpose here on this earth, you are in the right place, my friend. Together, we are going to dive deep into opening our hearts, healing our shadows, connecting with our souls, and erasing our vibes so you can live your best life ever. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Soul Service Podcast. Thank you for tuning in with me here today. It is an it is always an honor to be here with you and speak to you, and I just love you all so much. So for today's podcast episode, I want to talk about how to have hard conversations. This is something that I have dealt with many, many times in my life, whether it was with my partner, with my parents, with strangers. And this is something that my clients and friends of mine ask about all the time because let's face it, no one, no one likes having hard conversations. It's not comfortable. Even if you are very practiced at it, it's still not comfortable. And the reason it's not comfortable is because emotions and triggers and guilt and shame and shoulds and all of these feelings get in the way. So, you know, I've, like I said, I have had many, many tough conversations in the past, especially, especially with family. And family can be one of the hardest ones because, you know, like you can't just, I mean, you can, but you typically you can't just get rid of family. You can't just be like, all right, like, I don't really like you. We're, we're just done. I mean, that's always an option, but for the most part, you typically want to keep family around. And family is a hard one because there's so much love entrenched with guilt and shame and responsibilities and um, mixed messages around how people care for one another and obligation and just a whole whack load of emotions. So with family, that is where we can have some of the, the hardest hard conversations. So I want to give you some very clear tips today on how to prepare for hard conversations, how to not become defensive, how to kind of cater to another person's feelings while also still sticking to your needs, your beliefs, and what the point of the conversation is. And how to do all of this from an open heart. So, you know, for example, I've had numerous conversations with my mom. And my mom is a, a wonderful person, very loving. And she also is very wounded. And at this point in time, still does not 
heal from her wounds. And remember that you cannot force anyone to heal. You cannot force anyone to change their beliefs. You cannot force anyone to listen to what you have to teach them. But you can set boundaries. You can make your feelings known. But you can't, you can't force them to change in the way that you might want them to. So with my mom, like I said, I've had many hard conversations and probably the hardest one that I've had with her was around my, my childhood and growing up and into adulthood of just how she treats me, how she perceives me, how she tries to help And the reason this was so hard is because I know that she was trying to do all of the things that she was doing from a place of love, but because she's still acting from a wound, her actions would actually hurt me. And she wasn't, she wasn't hearing me. She wasn't actually listening to what I was feeling, what I was needing. And you know, a lot of this, um, a good, a good chunk of this was actually when I was still in the military and I was looking at releasing and, you know, my last, my last couple of years in the military were horrible. Honestly, they were just, they were horrible. Um, and that's when my depression was at its worst. That's when I was being harassed all of the time. And, it was, it was just not a good situation. And I knew that I wanted to leave and I knew that I would also be medically released. And my mom would not listen to what I actually needed. What she was focused on was making sure my career was safe, that my life was safe. And what that looked like was I need to stay in the military. I need to fight for the military and my my career there because otherwise I would release and I would have nothing. So as you can see in that moment, she was trying to protect me, but she was, she was doing it from her wounds, from her limiting beliefs. And, you know, for my, my family, although we are Canadian born, her, um, one set of her parents was immigrants and then her grandparents were immigrants. So we have a long line of, of, um, of immigrants in our family and the underlying belief system there is that you come to Canada, you work hard, you then, um, and then through the generations, you get a good job and you need to keep that, that good job and government jobs are the absolute best because they have the most security and all of these things. And you have to attain certain statuses in order to be worthy. And I completely understand where that belief system comes from because, you know, I mean, my, my grandmother, when she was growing up, she would get paid a penny a day to go work in the fields. And, and I mean, 
that's like for us to think about that, that's crazy, but that was, that's what they were willing to pay her. And I don't remember what the going actual going rates were back then, but she was definitely paid well below what the, the other kind of quote going rates were. And there was a lot of struggle. I mean, my, my dad did the same thing. Um, I think he got paid a little bit more. And then he, when he was 14, he was already working on the railroads and everything. And it's, um, it was a different time. And because of that, because of the amount of struggle there, the beliefs were that if you could have better, you should do better. And that, that looked like, again, government jobs that looked like high profile jobs, doctors, lawyers, university education. And if you step out of that, that's where the concern comes from. So for me to have been considering leaving the military even, and it was at that point actually killing me, um, it, was, it was scary for her because from her belief system, she didn't want to see me fail. And that's all that she could see. She, she couldn't, she wasn't capable at that point in time of seeing the, the, the full amount of pain that I was in. She was very much a proponent of me hiding my depression, of not telling anybody about it, not getting help for it, because again, that would ruin my career. All of these, these limiting beliefs. And that continued into um, like that, that kind of skewed desire to help continued into other parts of our relationship to the point where a couple of years ago we had no relationship and ever like I couldn't even pick up the phone and be civil with her because I was then so wounded and she was so wounded that it was just awful now I I turned around and I I had already been doing a lot of spiritual work and I decided that it was time for me to do some very deep healing around my connection with my mom, my relationship with her. And I also knew that she could no longer keep treating me the way that she was treating me. And I knew that in order to have things even potentially change, I had to have hard conversations, which meant talking about my childhood with her, which meant talking about the fact that her like her actions and her words even though they were coming from a place of love hurt me deeply while i was releasing from the military um that her actions and words continued to hurt me to that to that day and i even today still have to give her reminders at times because she like she's not doing the the healing work on herself so she easily falls back into old patterns but it's nowhere near as hard as, as it used to be with that, f- that first conversation. And that first hard conversation I had with her, I first off, what I did is I prepared her for it before we even had the conversation. I had called her and I said, hey, you know what, mom, this is like, we need to sit down and have a conversation about our relationship because at this point in time, we don't have a relationship and I would like to have one with you, an actual relationship with you moving forward. 
but we cannot do that unless we have a conversation. So at on this day and this time, let's sit down and we need to we need to have a conversation. So the very first thing I did there was I I prepared her for it. There is nothing worse than you or someone saying to you, hey, we need to talk and then leaving it there. Because when somebody says, hey, we need to talk, those are like the scariest words in the world because then our brain fills in every possible thing that could go wrong. So if you have to have a hard conversation, you sit down and whether it's through a text message or through a phone call, you prepare them for the conversation that you will have in the future. And you don't have to get into details. And if they start saying, well, what, what about this and what? No, just this is what the conversation is going to be about so that we can get to a good outcome. But I'm not prepared to talk about it yet. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll sit down and we'll have this conversation at this date and time. That gives them the ability to not, first off, one, not be sitting in total anxiety. So it lessens their guard. And two, it also already takes down their guard as well because they're not going to be blindsided. Because if you say, hey, we need to talk and then just go into a conversation and they've been sitting there thinking about like, oh my God, what's going on? What's wrong? Their their walls are going to be up. Their guard is going to be up. They're going to be uber defensive. And especially if you were already dealing with a defensive individual, you do not want to add to that defensiveness. So one, prepare them for the conversation that you're going to have. Now, when you, before you actually go into the conversation, before you actually sit down and have it, and if you can, in person is always best. Um, if you can't do in person, I would recommend video because then people, you can see each other's faces. Um, I would not recommend doing it in writing and because too much can be misconstrued in writing. Sometimes it's a good option, but really you want to be doing it in person or at least over video so that people can get a full sense of where your energy is actually at. And you could also read people in return. So before you actually sit down to have the conversation, you need to prepare yourself. So you need to look at what you want to address, what the outcome is. So when I was going to sit down and have that conversation with my mom, I knew that there were things around my childhood that I needed to address around how she treated me, how she didn't listen to me, how I felt that I wasn't heard. I knew that with the, the experiences from the, from the military, I would have to sit down and I, I needed to talk to her about the fact that she, again, wasn't listening to me, wasn't hearing me, that her, the way that she was trying to help me was actually hurting me more, like by telling me to stay silent about my depression, by telling me that I had to stay with the military, otherwise I wouldn't have a career. I also knew that I had to set boundaries around my work days and my business. And 
She could not just call me in the middle of the day for absolutely no reason, that she had to respect the fact that even though I was not working a nine to five, that I was still working, that she couldn't just expect me to drop everything and go over there. Because if I can't do it in a regular job, I sure as hell can't do it in my own business. Uh, I knew that I had to set a lot of boundaries around her trying to give me business advice because although she has attempted to run a restaurant and gift shop for years and granted she does have a lot of knowledge the way that she does things and the way that I do things are completely different and she was trying to tell me to that I would only be successful if I had a brick and mortar location that I wouldn't find clients unless I had a brick and mortar location and that's just not aligned for me I don't I personally don't want to be going and renting a space. I like being online. I like having that flexibility. I like being able to work with people all over the world. And that's beautiful. But because she didn't understand that, she was pushing a lot of her beliefs on me and stating that if I didn't do the things that she believed I should do, that I wouldn't be successful. And so I had to set boundaries around that. And that one is a very clear boundary is we don't, she doesn't, she doesn't give me advice about business. That's like, nope, no advice. I can share things with you, but unless I specifically ask you for advice or help, I don't want it. So there was a lot of really, really significant boundaries that I had to set with her around all of those areas around how we had to treat each other. So I knew what I wanted to talk about going into that conversation. So I sat down and I prepared that. I knew what boundaries had to be set. And the other thing I prepared was for her defensiveness. So again, my mom, she lives in her wounds and she can be incredibly defensive. And she will burst into tears. She'll start blaming. She gaslights. There's, I mean, every, every possible defense mechanism in the book, she uses it. And it doesn't make her a bad person. It just means that she's got, she has wounds that are there. And she can be very, very, very defensive whenever anything even touches those wounds. So I had to prepare for the fact that she was going to be very defensive. And I knew that I had to cater to her feelings. And this, when you have to have hard conversations, can be the most exhausting part. Because all you might want to do is have the conversation, but if somebody is resistant or almost unable to hear what you have to say because they're defensive you have to find ways to allow them to listen so i knew that i would have to cater to her emotions i knew that i would have to use phrases uh, such as i know you've done your absolute best and you cared for me and you were a good mom and I was still hurt by some of the things you did. I know that you were trying to protect me and give me guidance when you were talking about the military and 
those things still hurt me. I also had to be very clear around the fact that how she might intend something to be to be received is not how it may actually be received. And this is where we have to have open communication and she has to be open to and willing to change the way she acts and behaves and speaks to me just the same as I might have to be open to changing the way I behave and speak with her. It's a two-way street. So I've had, I had to have kind of a bunch of phrases in, in my back pocket where I could diffuse the situation. And the best way to diffuse those defenses is to really is to compliment people and don't use the word, but, but is the worst word you can use because you can say you were a good mom, but you hurt me a lot Mm -mm. because as soon as somebody hears the word, but they're like, okay, well, everything you just said before means absolutely nothing. That that's like somebody saying, Oh, I'm sorry for hurting you, but I still think you're a fucking bitch. <laughs> like that's that's the same type of energy whether you you directly say that or not. It it negates anything that came before that because it it shows a lack of sincerity. So, if if you are going to use this diffusing language, you want to use and you were a good mom and some of your actions hurt me. Still makes you a good mom. And some of your actions still hurt me. You're not, you're not negating it, but always negates whatever came before. So you want to use words like and. So you can, you can cater to that person. You know, I've even, I've used it in situations lately where where we talk about mandatory masking and, the, and um, I might say, you know, thank you, especially somebody who, who doesn't see other alternative views. I might say, thank you for wearing a mask. I really appreciate all the efforts that you're taking to help protect the general public and even me since I can't wear one. Language like that helps diffuse their defenses because you are not telling them, whoever you're talking to, you're not telling them that they are wrong. You're saying you're doing good and there's still things that can be worked on. It's, it's just a different way of delivering your message and it will take their defenses down. So you want to, whoever you're talking to, you want to have some of these phrases in your back pocket so that when you have to have these hard conversations, you can do so and love them through it. And it does take patience. I'll be, I'll be very straight with you. That first conversation I had with my mom, it took like three and a half hours. It was draining. And I had to keep coming back to those, those kind of core phrases. I had to keep bringing her back in anytime she got really defensive. I had to continuously remind her that in order for us to have a relationship, which I know that she wanted, we needed to 
fully understand each other. We need to, to respect each other. We needed to honor each other's feelings. And we can't do that unless we talk about it. And that making mistakes and being human does not mean you are a bad person. It does not mean you are a bad mother. It does not mean that you are, it doesn't mean anything about you. It just means that there are things that can be shifted so that you can connect better. So you have to keep these things in mind. And when you actually sit down to have the conversation, you have to be prepared to almost coach someone through this. It almost has a feeling where you are walking on eggshells and you're you're navigating obstacles at the same time. But if you can do this, it will... It'll strengthen your ability to have harder conversations in the future. It'll strengthen your ability to keep your heart open. And the the biggest thing that you must do when you are having hard conversations is you cannot get defensive. You cannot start sitting into your triggers and your wounds because as soon as you do that, you lose control of the conversation and you are no longer going to be heard because then it's just going to be two opposing energies attacking each other. And if you need to take, if like, depending on what the conversation is, if you need to take a break and you need to continue a conversation another day, you do so. So you need to Give yourself permission to get out of the conversation. And it can look as simple as saying like, hey, mom, you know what? We've done a lot of talking today. There's still more things that we need to discuss so that we can come together and have a better relationship and and do some healing here. But I think we need a break today. So why don't we pick this up tomorrow or next week or what, whatever it is. But there's no shame in, in saying that. You can just say, hey, you know what? I think this has been really emotionally taxing. There are still things that need to be discussed, but I think we should leave it here for today and take a break and then come and talk about this fresh tomorrow or whatever it is. Preparing a statement like that so that if you need an out, you have that, super key. Because you don't want to be, if you get triggered, you don't want to be having a conversation in your trigger. You want to come at it from a calm state. And it doesn't mean that during these conversations, you may not get emotional. I mean, you might cry, but as long as you are still coming from an open heart and you are not blaming or shaming, you are sharing your truth and what happened for you and you are giving the other person the chance to be heard as long as they are not blaming shaming or attacking and if they get into that blaming shaming or attacking or that defensiveness again you have to just have those phrases and you have to cut cut them off of that so if they're saying, oh, well, you, you always think I'm stupid. You think I'm a bad mom and whatever it is, say no. Okay, enough. Like I, I actually to say that, I just had to say like enough. No, 
I do not think that. That is your perception. And I honor and respect your perception, but that has never been what I have told you. That has never been how I have felt about you. So your, what you are perceiving things to mean is not actually the intention behind it. So we need to stop taking this, taking this on as though we are a bad person and just come together and find a new way to discuss this. So you actually have to like be aware of when you need to cut the defensiveness. And again, lovingly talk them back into alignment. So having hard conversations, prep work. And giving yourself an out so that you can feel aligned without being emotionally overtaken, without your triggers getting in the way. And if you need to write down some points that you want to make sure that you hit, like the boundaries you want to set, do so. Do what you need, but remember that you need to be kind most of all. And remember that hurt people hurt people. So whether it is intentional or not, and I would say most of the time, it's not intentional for many people to hurt each other, especially with family. It's not intentional. But whether it is intentional or not, the reason that people hurt others is because they are hurting themselves. They are sitting in wounds. They are sitting in triggers. They are sitting in beliefs that hold them back, that don't serve them. And especially in a time like this, with all of the, the, the craziness in the world, we are seeing increased amounts of people lashing out and doing things. So this is where we have to practice holding that calm, holding that understanding, that compassion for people. And, and truthfully, when you understand that when people are hurting others, it, that it's because they are hurt somewhere themselves, it is easier to have compassion. It is easier to find ways to show them love. And you know, whenever, whenever you compliment someone, whenever you say things like you were a good mom and you just, some of your actions hurt me, it doesn't change the fact that you were a good mom. It doesn't change the fact that you were a good person. It doesn't change your worth or your lovability or anything like that. When you can talk to them in that way, you are showing them the love that they desperately need. And that is something that you need to remember. People who are hurt need love. You know, I want you to think back to a time when you were feeling really hurt. And if you tune into that time and, and, and the hurt of that moment, and maybe you wanted to lash out at people, but underneath that, 
I bet you that if you tuned into it, what you needed most was to feel loved. Yeah, you were angry. Yeah, you wanted to lash out. You wanted people to understand, but underneath it all, you just wanted to be loved. You just wanted to be accepted. So when you are going to have a hard conversation, you need to lead with love. Because that is the only, the only thing that is going to allow somebody to listen to you, to hear you, to hopefully understand you. And remember that when you do have these hard conversations, depending on what it's about, you may have to have many versions of these conversations. Again, you may have to remind people. Because when you first change something, people might be like, okay, well, I can respect that boundary. And then they fall back into an old pattern. So you might have to remind them again. It's just about layers of healing. So always lead from that open heart. Now, the last thing I will leave you with around hard conversations, depending on what it is. Sometimes the the best way to have a hard conversation is to not entirely be truthful. Now, what do I mean by that? A friend of mine I'll give you an example. So a friend of mine, we were talking and she is looking at moving out of her current um, room that she rents into somewhere else. And it's because of, there's a, there's a huge difference in core beliefs and just the respect going on between her and her roommate. And it's just, it's just not good. And for her, to feel good, it's better if she moves out and leaves that situation where there's a lot of fear energy, where there's now some distrust because of her, like because of fear around a virus and, and things like that. Now, she could potentially just say to her roommate in this hard conversation, hey, you know what? Um, it's not working. I feel like you're really afraid of like the virus and stuff. And because of my job, uh, it's making things really hard. And, um, you know, I'm just not comfortable sitting in like being like potentially judged and, and living with this level of fear. She could say that, which I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with that, but this is where sometimes not telling the whole truth might be a little bit better by, by saying, you know, I, I understand that you have some fears and I am, I think I'm going to move in with somebody from my work where I'm not going to put you in a position where you have to be fearful anymore. And it'll just be, I think, more comfortable for the both of us if I'm, I'm living with someone that I work with so that we have the same level of risk. It takes away some of the 
extra kind of emotions that maybe they don't need to be privy to and that may not serve serve the relationship and I mean she may live there for another couple of weeks she may live there for another month and a half it depends on on what her roommate feels but the point is is that there's different ways of having these hard conversations and approaching people and sometimes you can you don't have to tell the whole truth like you don't have to say to somebody i'm moving out because i really don't like the fact that you are judgmental and sitting in fear all the time that's the vibe that's the vibe but you don't have to tell them that you can find a way to do it that doesn't potentially hurt them especially when you are dealing with things like fear energy because if somebody's fearful the last thing you want to do is is attack them for being fearful you want to again play to where they're at you want to you when you are having hard conversations with people you want to meet them where they are at because if you meet them at your level they may never understand so you have to come down to their level where they can understand but without you getting sucked into the lower vibrational energy the drama of it so this is where telling the truth but telling it in a way that they can receive it so it may not be the whole truth it's still very truthful but it may not be the whole truth but telling it to them in a way that they can receive it is going to be more beneficial for both parties than it would be if you just fully laid out your feelings and beliefs so you have to be aware of who you're talking to where they are at all right if you have any questions or you need any support around having hard conversations reach out to me you can send me an email at admin at it's in the show notes or connect with me on facebook or instagram and send me a message i love hearing from you and i would love to support you through having these hard conversations because i mean everybody has to have a hard conversation at some point in time so if you can have more support and have more tools around this that's amazing so can't wait to talk to you in the dms or on email i love you guys so much have an amazing rest of your day and I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for joining me today on the soul service podcast. If you love what you heard, I would be over the moon if you would share this episode with your friends and leave me a five-star review and subscribe over on iTunes. I want to help as many people as I can, and I can't do it without your support. I'll see you on the next episode.